Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner. And I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now. And it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I speak with Arlen Hamilton, founder and managing partner of the venture capital firm Backstage Capital. Arlen built this fund from the ground up while at the same time experiencing homelessness, literally. It's a fund that is dedicated to minimizing funding disparities in tech by investing in high potential founders who are people of color, women, LGBTQ community, others who we collectively refer to as underestimated. Now, the fund was started from scratch with the power of positive intention and a deep dive into YouTube University in 2015. Now, Backstage has raised more than $7 million and invested in more than 130 startup companies led by underestimated founders. Amazing. She also hosts Your First Million podcast and is quickly becoming known for her philanthropic endeavors, including her sponsorship of the Phoenix Rising Summit, an online summit I co-hosted with Shantavia Johnson to help professionals and entrepreneurs crisis-proof their careers, money, and minds. Arlen joined Minda Hartz, Lynette Calfani-Cox, and other dynamic speakers to share some really great insight, wisdom, some never-shared-before lessons from her journey about thriving in the startup space even in times of crisis. The replay is available at phoenixrisingsummit.com, so definitely check it out while it is still available. More information at the end of the show. 2018 was a power-filled year of firsts for Arlen. She became one of the first Black women to feature on the cover of Fast Company magazine, and she also co-founded Backstage Studio, and that studio launched four accelerator programs for underestimated founders in Detroit, Los Angeles, my hometown of Philadelphia, and also London. 2020 is proving to be yet another year of firsts. Arlen's first book, It's About Damn Time, hits the shelves on May 5th, and she also recently launched her incredibly informative and invaluable course, Raising Capital for Your Company from Scratch via Teachable. More information about that in the episode and also at the end, including a special discount, so stick with me to the end. Now, Time to listen, learn, and leverage. So let's get started. So I am absolutely thrilled to welcome Backstage Capital founder and managing partner Arlen Hamilton to Tech Intersect today. So Backstage is a venture capital fund that is dedicated to minimizing funding disparities in tech by investing in high potential underestimated founders who are of color, women, and or members of the LGBT community. Arlen's also a new author, the author of her book, It's About Damn Time. And that's how I'm going to say it. Every time I say it, I'm going to say it just like that. I was fortunate enough to receive an advanced reader's copy or an ARC, as we call it in the biz, and also to hear a snippet from the audiobook version. And I cannot wait for everyone to receive the lessons and the blessings in this book. 
We'll get to that and her podcast, Your First Million, and her philanthropic endeavors with Project Cover in a moment. But first, Arlen, welcome to Tech Intersect. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. So let's dive in. You've come a long way in five years. So five years ago, as you explained more fully in your book, and you certainly talk about on the podcast and, and when you speak, you're on public assistance, experiencing home insecurity. But the thing that sustained you was this dream. And, and actually, it's more than a dream. It was this positive intention that you kept saying and not just saying in your head, but literally out loud about breaking into venture capital. So let's start with from that time in your life, what best prepared you or some of the the high notes of what best prepared you to actually make that dream your present reality? I think it was a combination of, of, like you say, telling myself that I was already this thing, you know, not being uh, disillusioned or anything, but just giving myself the permission to already stand in front of what would become my destiny, mm-hmm. uh, I think was really important. And even more so was the imagining and envisioning of the outcome and mm-hmm. what impact that could have if I were to succeed. And so once I realized, you know, it's not just going to be about me if I succeed at this, I will be able to, if I do what I think I can do, if I somehow get there, I'll be able to put resources behind underrepresented founders who I have been talking to and working with and, and observing for years yeah. and who whom I think I are overlooked. And so having that as like the wind in my sails was really important. And I think the only thing that kept me going really. Mm. I love that part in the book where you drill down a bit on that moment, that decision point, right? When mm. you're thinking of, you're imagining the world with that impact and without. Yes. And the fact that without it, it we, you know, you might be more secure personally and, and your, your smaller nucleus of your life. But to imagine that the same people, whether you are educated, overeducated, educated by the streets and everywhere in between. But if you were black or brown, a woman, a member of the LGBT community, you would still have to justify your existence and actually ask permission to have that proverbial seat that that we're always talking about. So I love the way you just described the wind at your back that kind of propelled you forward to to really grab hold of what that reality would be, not your present circumstances at that time. That's right. Yeah, it it was... um... It's definitely needed when you have so much against you, I think, is Mm -hmm. to have like this secondary higher calling, however you imagine it and however you you think of that. Um, And it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't have to be change the world sort of situation. It really doesn't. It just needs to be like, what is bigger than yourself? What is driving this? And and that kind of helps you to decide if you need to be doing it at all. Does it, does it does it justify the time and the and the effort and the discomfort and all of that if it is only serving you in the end and that's what I use for most decisions, right? And I can that's it's probably even more of an ever present way to analyze where someone would be, you know, three months from now or three years from now, given all that's going on in the world with COVID-19, right? So yeah. yes. there are a lot of people who are at that very decision point. So I think that's really helpful to help people focus on something because there's so many things that we can't control. I know you were spending a lot of time 
recently, and I appreciate it personally, um, the, the, the conversation that you're having around the impact of COVID-19 on your podcast. And that kind of leads me to my next question. We don't know each other personally. It seems like we're playing like six degrees of separation, but we don't, <laughs> we don't know each other. But you're so generous with your time and your talents and your treasures that it feels like we do. And I know that I'm not alone in that feeling. And I, I think it's, it's probably for a number of things. One, your authenticity always shines through, but through your podcast and your speaking engagements and, and your amazing Twitter thumbs um, that I, <laughs> I love very much, you're really able to genuinely connect in ways that others in tech and finance just cannot do. And, and you know that personally as well, mm. right? So you, you've led us in to see this evolution of your relationship and congratulations and, and your art. And you are the reason I have a podcast studio. I want you to understand this right now. The oh. mic that I'm using and all of this, I tweeted yeah. out. And I was like, help. I, and you did that episode. And I said, I think I can. I think I can. And yeah, slowly but surely, you know. You're doing a great Thank job. You. Too, I, I noticed your sound is very good. And uh, the, the mic you're using is very good. And uh, I'm still trying to figure out how to get everything interfaced correctly. Yes. <laughs> that, makes me, that makes me so, so happy to hear that. Yes, I appreciate you very much. It really has been transformative to me. And through all of those things, you really let the proverbial us or we into see the evolution of all of those things, right? So you, you've also shared a lot of the, the lessons of backstage as it continues to evolve. And so this question is, do you feel like you're as connected with the collective us in the same way that people feel like they're connected to you? And, you know, I think mm -hmm. of the book launch team, I think of the, your philanthropic endeavors and the way you're just really, you're connecting with people. So, so talk to me about that. Yeah, I, I think so. I can't ever know how everyone else feels about right. me. But yes, I do. I do feel very connected. And it's very, very genuine and organic. And I know that because I'll wake up sometimes, you know, very often, more times than not, I'll wake up feeling a almost physical need to connect with people. Mm. Uh, that is, it's, it's almost like my heart, my heart can't take it if I can't, if I can't, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it sounds a little weird, but it's like, I feel like, okay, how, what, what can I, what can I do today to help people or how, what can I do today to connect people to some sort of resource or, and that, I think that's probably really rooted in for most of my life, not feeling like I had much control over mm. what I could do. Like it was broke most of my, like all of my life up until 35, 39 now, mm. completely, completely kind of at the whim of others and it, whether it be for money or for whatever. And so I feel like now that I have a little bit more, like I have what I need mm. and I also have an abundance that I can share with others. To me, this is what I've been waiting my whole life for. And I actually was, as you said in the book, in the book, you know, there's a whole section about connection. So I've always been right. about connecting with people, even when I was broke. It right. hasn't always been, but so it's always been this drive in me to like, if I can't control everything in my life, then at least at the least I can do is what can I control, and what I can control is how I treat people. What I can right. control is is if I know something, I share it. Because what's the good of having information or resources if you if you keep it and hoard it all to yourself? That just mm -hmm. never has been attractive to me. So I, I definitely feel it and I feel the love that comes back. That's not to say that I don't get a lot of uh, vitriol online. Oh, for my sure. goodness. I know. I, I know. <laughs> but but I, I feel the love most of all. And I feel like everybody wants to see me win as much as I want to see them win. 
No doubt. I mean, it's that that's that circle of energy, right? And it, it's a dynamic thing. There are oftentimes you might reach out to someone or help and you may not receive it back. That actually isn't the reason that you would do something. It's just to make sure that they are elevated as you are as well. Yeah. But it comes back in like these really amazing and unlikely places. So in the same moment, if I could be disappointed on one end, someone who I didn't realize was going to show up for me does. And, and I feel like that's completing the circle, too. Yeah, it happens. And it's it's not linear. So you, right. you, you just can't go through life saying, I'm going to give this so I can get this. What you can do, though, is understand. I don't know if it's a power law or a negotiation law. I really don't know for sure. But it is some sort of law uh, of gravity, at least, because right. it is it really is true that not not in a linear fashion, but in some sort of fashion, like all things being equal, you do get back what you put out. And I'm right. not a big spiritual person. That's not really where I'm coming from with it. It's mm-hmm. mostly just based on my experience. It doesn't, you know, I can put something out into this group and this other group five years later is going to bring that back to me. And right. so the the math on that is, uh, it just makes a lot of sense to put a lot of good out into the world. Like that, the math it works out. Absolutely. And that reminds me of something else you said in the book about being the bridge between mm-hmm. the underestimated population that does so much with so little and others who are, you know, they have the money, but they aren't accessing or don't have the access to, for whatever reason, this amazing group of founders. And so you're actually yeah. the bridge, right? And so that makes a lot of sense to me. Your book is cataloged and categorized. So I, I my family uh, owns an independent publishing company. And so I started back in the 90s, you know, mm. self-publishing, although earlier I said independent publishing because it is independent of the, the big boys and the big yeah. girls. But also I wanted to make sure that all of my books, a series of legal reference guides for writers and other creatives, and it just had to be indistinguishable on the shelves. Uh, We had a lot more bookstores at that time. And you put all of that energy in, but there was a lot of upside because it it was wonderful to see it from beginning to middle to end. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And but one of my frustrating, one of the frustrating moments was having to categorize a book that sometimes doesn't fit neatly into a precise category, right? And I feel that way about your book. So I know it's a business book, but it really seems like so much more. It feels as I read it, certainly part memoir, um, Mm -hmm. inspiration or self-help, part how to, part how not to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You have some fantastic chapter headings and all of that. So some of them sound like songs that I would dance to. So I'm I'm trying to read it from beginning to end because I have like a linear mind, but I'm like, oh, that hits different. I'm going to read that one first. So I say all that to say, what do you think this book is? It's interesting that you say about like reading out of order. Mm. Okay. So one of the things that I did when I decided to to write a book at all, one of the reasons I decided to is because I had read all these books, these business books, getting into venture capital, getting into the industry that I'm in right now over the past several years. And so for the first three to four years before I had a dime towards the fund, all I was doing was reading, learning, interviewing, et cetera. And then as soon as I had a dime, I kept reading, reading, reading. Right. And so I was learning from these professors, if you will, who mm. never met me. And, and some of them eventually met me and, and, and the story goes on. But really this education that was happening kind of virtually back then. Mm. And I wanted to I wanted this book to be something like that for other people. 
because I wanted uh-huh. to pay that for it. So one of the things that I kind of quietly think about, and I don't think I've ever said it to even my publisher, mm. is that I want people to come back and flip through and reference. You know, I love them to read it. Right. But I'd love them to come back and flip through and reference and find that chapter that that really means something to them or right. find that 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 anecdote that really meant something to them. And and so it's really interesting. And it's uh, it makes sense that you're in publishing your whole life because the, to pick up on that is actually quite it's like you're reading my journal. Yes, that is exactly how it feels. That's <laughs> but, exactly but the, how it feels. But the type of the type of book it is, uh, I definitely wanted on purpose. I needed to really sit in the business section because there are not enough enough. There are some, but there's just not enough business books for everyone written by Black women. Right. Or if they're not, they are written. They're not published and out there for the general public to see. And I just think that's really important. Uh, After uh, being on the cover of Fast Company a couple of years ago, that really resonated with me because Mm -hmm. I saw firsthand every single day for several weeks what it was like to have a black woman see that cover who had no idea what what Silicon Valley or uh, venture capital was. But just to see the cover and feel some sort of, oh, I want to start a business, you know, that to me is so important. And it is partially a memoir, uh, but I don't. I think there's a memoir that will happen in 10, 20 years that will be the full story. I think we're quite Absolutely. early for that. <laughs> and, hey, and hey, if it's inspirational, I've done my job. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business, or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. We hope you're enjoying this edition of Tech Intersect. Our conversation will continue in a moment, but first, a word on an exciting opportunity. The Tech Intersect podcast is released to the public every Friday. But as an Advantage Evans member, you'll receive first listen access and live Tech Intersect Connect video chats. Premium members also receive a copy of my ebook, The Gen Xer's Guide to Upskilling in a Web 3.0 World, and unlimited access to the video chat replays and bonus episodes. My pro members, ready to leverage what they've listened to and learned, receive access to the Upskilling Self-Guided Course and VIP group coaching calls. So as you can see, Advantage Evans membership adds substantial value to your podcast experience. And there are three ways to take advantage. (laughs) See what I did right there? Of all that the Tech Intersect podcast has to offer. So subscribe now and let's listen, learn, and leverage together. And now, back to the conversation. There you go. Well, you have certainly done your job, uh, to be (laughs) sure. Uh, A lot of people right now have lost a lot of opportunities. We're recording this at a time where we have this unprecedented crisis of 
certainly a medical crisis and a financial crisis, but a crisis of confidence mm-hmm. on a level that is is really unimaginable. I suspect in the months to come, it, it's like people are going to have PTSD or something after this sure. moment. Everybody's head is down right now, but I'm thinking ahead to like the fall and, and what the repercussions from an emotional and a, a mental state will be. So... <laughs> People are feeling a, a sense of loss without the certainty that we'll have a beginning, middle, and an end, and what that's going to mean. So, what are some of the key points and lessons? Because your book is actually evergreen, as we say in the biz, too. These are things that I'll, I'm reading it now. I can read it five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, and it's still going to be relevant because, you know, right? As until we're done, there's always something to, to do. So, what are some key points and lessons that would encourage people? in this particular moment and this particular crisis? Yeah. Well, you know, because you're, you're part of the book launch team and, and I get to interact with about 200 or so people who are in the book launch team. So they send me things on a daily basis mm. and they say these different things are, are as, the, as the kids say, are hitting this certain way. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now. And of course, when I wrote it and co-wrote it with Rachel Nelson, when we wrote it, we certainly didn't imagine there would be a pandemic that would be hitting the exact time that it would be released. But there's an entire section about resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, and the resilience part is, is just a reminder of that a lot of us have been through really bad times. You know, we've been through some stuff to get to where we are today, even if it wasn't as obvious as being homeless or something like that. Just the fact mm-hmm. that if you went to a particular school and you got to that school and you made it through that school with the paper cuts of uh, microaggressions right. that you probably went through, just things like that. We have gone through, I said on a, on a tweet recently that white people are being treated like black people are treated mm. by the government <laughs> and they're losing right. and they're freaking out. About it. <laughs> like, oh, this I is outrageous. Phone. You know, I, can't right. get phone. I can't get my money through. It, it wasn't my fault. And all I need is to be able to pay the bills and my kids. What am I going to do about my kids? Mm. I mean, it's just so we have that resilience. And then, but even more, I think, you know, there's this, there's two that come to mind too. It's creativity, the create, being creative and hacking your way through this time and yes. making what you can out of it is going to be really important. And I think there's some great examples in the book about how you can be creative in lean times. So that's definitely something to look at. And yes. self care, the self care section. Now, I'm not here to tell you all to to break your necks and do everything you can. And if you're not up seven days a week, I'm here to say, take care of yourself and do the thing that helps you the most so that you can help others. And here's how. And here's some some things you can do. And so that self-help section. And then finally, I mean, there's eight sections, but this fourth section, I think, is, is the big picture section. So if I think about looking to the future, what gets mm. me gets me by right now is looking a year ahead, looking two years ahead. We are going to get through this. We will come out, as you say, with PTSD. That is no doubt to that. Right. Some some will have different reasons and different degrees, but there is no contest. And so we will all have some suffered some damage, but we will get through. And we will get over and we will get beyond. And when that happens and as it's happening, as we're right. getting through it, I think it's really important to nourish ourselves in many ways uh, and to and to forgive ourselves and to protect ourselves. And I think all of those things I, I try to talk about in the book for just day to day. Right. 
Well, I wish all of those things for you as well, because you are absolutely on the front lines and in the trenches and all of the other Mm -hmm. ways that we could describe it. And so I'm the associate dean at my law school, for example, and when other people were going home, if you have the good fortune to be able to work from home, that's great. And But I find myself, people might describe me as an overachiever. I do not accept that, but I am a, <laughs> I'm a high achieving person. Mm-hmm. But I am finding myself reading things over and over and over again. My sleep yeah. isn't the same. Having to be more mm-hmm. intentional about what I watch and what I listen to. I, I was used to share a lot of things about the crisis and I was showing the a lot of the bad things without the balance. And I realized mm-hmm. if I'm tweeting that out, then I must not have balance in my own life. So I had to kind of course correct. I believe in informing people for sure. But at a certain point without the hope side of it and the self-care aspect of it and the balance, then, then it's going to be more difficult. So I appreciate that. And I, I wish that for you because you Thank do you. so much it. for so many. And, and not often do people check on the yous of the world and the me's of the world. So I'm checking on you. I got my eye on you. <laughs> I appreciate right? that. Yes. Absolutely. So let's get out of here and tell people how they can stay connected with you and your work yeah. and, and, and when the book comes out. Absolutely. The book is out May 5th. You can get it at itsaboutdamntime.com. You can get it as an audio book, as a hardcover, physical copy, or as an ebook for your Kindle or otherwise. I hope that you find a way to, to read it, to listen to it, and that it means something to you. You can also follow me at Arlen Was Here, A R L A N Was Here, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm always interacting with people on both of those mediums and really enjoy that. So I, I hope to hear from you very, very soon. I really loved this conversation with Arlen. I hope that you do too. I almost forgot that it was for the podcast, but I'm really glad that I could share that conversation with you all. There are so many gems and ahas and selahs, which means pause and reflect on that. So much to pause and reflect on. So this episode, yep, it's one for the ages, and I hope you'll return to it over and over again and also share it with your friends and your networks. Before I get to the takeaways, two reminders. Sign up for Arlen's course ASAPidly. That means right now. And definitely before May 5th, it costs just $360 now, but the price goes up to $900 on May 5th. And that's to coincide with the book release. So now you'll enjoy a really great discount too with the code TECHINTERSECT. Second, the Phoenix Rising Summit replay is still available, and for just $50, you have 24-7, 365 streaming access, full control, stop, rewind, pause, reflect on that, all of those things. So head to phoenixrisingsummit.com for more information. Okay, now for some takeaways from this episode and also from It's About Damn Time. First, decision points matter, and so do relationships and authenticity and honesty, and a positive intention in everything you do, and also a dogged determination to see your life beyond your present circumstances. Arlen is the bridge between the underestimated founder and the private equity club, or table, I should say, that's dominated by the powerful few in Silicon Valley. And Arlen's book is also a bridge, and a lifeline, and a beacon, and a roadmap, and the first encouraging fist bump that you didn't know you needed, especially in the midst of this health, financial, and confidence crisis. Look, you will get through this. 
We will get through this. Use Arlen's journey as a source of encouragement, inspiration, and information. And please share your thoughts, your ahas, your selahs in the comments. And as you read the book, come back and share your favorite parts with me and, and how you plan to turn being underestimated into your greatest advantage. Okay, that's it for now. Until next time, continue to shine. Stay in touch with host Tanya Evans via your favorite social media on Twitter at at Tech Intersect and on Instagram via the handle Tech Intersect. This podcast has been produced by Stephanie Renee for Soul Sanctuary Incorporated.